Welcome into the Solar Insights Podcast. We got CJ Holmes here at the Athletic AZ to talk about this, the Suns and what's been going on with them. How's it going, CJ? It's going well. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Um, uh, every day is a good day when the Suns beat the Spurs by 20. That is a great day. Just like the, the week that they swept the, Sp- the Spurs is probably the greatest week ever. Um, so that's good. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got where you are today, and then we'll get into the Suns. Well, I'm a graduate of Auburn University. Um, I was a student athlete there, and I studied digital technology journalism. I wrote for the school paper, did a lot of internships. Um, actually, didn't play basketball my senior year because I just wanted to focus on journalism, and you know, it paid off. Uh, I, I was still out of school for a year. I mean, I was still out of a job for a year when I graduated. I moved home to D.C. and I was living with my mom, working at Ralph Lauren, but kept grinding along. I uh, got accepted into grad school. I was going to go to UC Berkeley, but, you know, that fell through money-wise. So um, applied for a job at the Dallas Morning News and got lucky. Um, that got me in the door. Uh, uh, things exactly go according to plan in Dallas. So, you know, I went to a convention, talked to a couple people, and I was lucky enough to be given this opportunity here at The Athletic. And that's how I ended up out here in Scottsdale. Well, there you go. That's pretty awesome. Scottsdale, even nicer. Um, so very, very cool. Um, so how... How is basketball then? I just how much do you love basketball because I love basketball and everybody loves it. But what is it about basketball that you love so much? I just love the team aspect of it and the camaraderie. You know, it's one of those games where you know there has to be five guys out there working in unison for you know an entire length of a game for you know whatever regulation length we're talking about. But um, I love the team aspect. Um, some of my best memories I've had. You know, throughout my life, I've been with my college teammates at Auburn, and we didn't win a lot of games, but it was just fun just being with those guys and traveling all over the SEC and um, just going out there every day and working hard and just knowing that whatever product we do get leave on the floor, it's a product that we create together. That's pretty cool. Um, so let's uh, talk about the, how that is on the Suns right now. Um, you've been on the beat for a little bit here. Um, what did you know about the Suns before you came as a team or as the people on the court at the moment, the the team constructed now and in general? Well, in general, I mean, you know, when you think of the Suns, you think of those Steve Nash teams of the early, late, and you know, mid-2000s, just watching him and Amari Stoudemire, um, Boris Diaw, Landry Barbosa, watching those guys get up and down in Mike D'Antoni's system. So, you know, growing up, I loved watching Suns games. I used to stay up late and – you know, wait for the West Coast NBA games to start around 10 o'clock. And uh, so that's what I knew about the team. Uh, as far as specific players, um, actually played against Devin Booker in college while he was at Kentucky. That was pretty cool. Played against Isaiah Cannon in college while he was at Murray State. We played them um, down there in the Charleston Classic. Um... And then I actually had the opportunity to cover the, the Villanova's national championship game down at the Final Four in San Antonio um, earlier in the year, and that was my first time seeing Mikel Bridges play. So it's really excited to see how his game would translate to the NBA level. Very cool. That's, that's pretty, pretty pretty cool experiences there. So we're watching the game, and so what do you what do you make of the Suns? They lose all these games by twenty ish. They start out the season though with a twenty one point beat down of the Mavericks and now they have a 20 point beat down of the Spurs and yet they have other games where it seems like it's horrible. What do you, what do you make of that crazy uh, disparity there? 
Ah, uh, the Suns are they're an interesting group, and you know they're ne- they're not playing the best. But you know, with last night being the exception, they haven't been playing the best basketball in the world. But you know they have a lot of interesting pieces. You know that all starts with Devin Booker at shooting guard. I mean the kid is a score supreme. Um, it's kind of funny considering that he came off the bench at Kentucky um, back in the day. So it's been, it's been really interesting to follow his career and see his rise to prominence. But you know. Outside of Booker, I mean, where's this team getting its scoring from? You know, I guess that's the biggest issue with the Suns right now. I mean, other than the defense is, you know, uh, outside of Devin Booker, if Devin doesn't go for 30-plus, then they're probably going to lose. Um, yeah, it, it is, other than last night, kind of showed a way that they could do it. Although, as I've been noting, it was noting on Twitter, uh, it was a somewhat fluky thing. I mean, Isaiah Cannon had the best game of his life. Pretty much, um, Josh Jackson played better than he has all season, and most uh, better than most of last season as well. Uh, Aiton played fine. Um, also, Warren played better than usual. I think he had 27. So yeah, there was another thing. Devin Booker had uh, career high 12 assists, and only had 13 points, which was I don't know the lowest he's had ever. Probably not, but um, it's pretty hard for him to only have 13 points. But his hand looks off to me. Did it look off to you? It looked like he someone was saying hamstring. I thought it was a little bit of hamstring, a little bit of hand, because he was losing the ball in places where it didn't make sense for him to be. He didn't look very comfortable out there. Well, I mean, I don't. I think I think Book is healthy. You know, I'm not. I'm not him. I don't know what he has going on personally, but I think he's healthy. The problem is, you know, the team doesn't have a true point guard, and that forces Devin Booker to forces him to be a creator when that's not his game, at least in my opinion. I think he needs to be playing more like a Clay Thompson type, you know, instead of like a Curry type out here trying to, you know, dribble through the defenses and, you know, get to the rack. And, yeah, he had a career-high 12 assists last night, but, but, I mean, we're not going to see that very often out of him. And, you know, I feel like Book isn't going to be able to maximize his potential until the Suns can get someone on this team primarily a point guard that can get him the ball more often in advantageous situation so he can cut down on those turnovers. Yeah, definitely I see that he is when you when you you can maximize him by off ball stuff, but I do think I mean he is not I would not try to fit him in the Clay Thompson box. He he's a better playmaker than Thompson he already is a better playmaker than Thompson's ever going to be um and way younger. So I think that it's, that's maybe not the quite way the way to go. But yes, they do need a full time point guard to uh, really make sure that all his playmaking and his that thing where because when he drives, he can get someone on it. And if if they the back end of the defense isn't quite ready for it, he will get to the hole. He does it three or four times a game where he doesn't. You don't have to have to do much for him. Just high pick and roll, and he beat his man and get a layup. So I wouldn't. I would he I want him to be doing that in the end of game situations, but I agree with you that during the rest of the game they need a high quality point guard that can really break down the defense. Here's my question for you. You know, the Suns let's take a look at the Suns roster and some of the interesting young pieces they had. Do you see them making a move for that, you know, elite point guard at some point this season? Yeah, we've been talking about it on the podcast with people. Um, I had some people, uh, Jamie McCormick of ESPN on uh, last week, I believe. We ta- were talking about different things, a bunch of different, I mean, it was a 45-minute conversation about all Sixers, everything. Um, and so the, the question basically ends up being, do you want the level of, I mean, we're not talking about necessarily if they're available or not, but people that are potentially available. Um, 
the Blazers with Lillard. Okay, are they going to get rid of Lillard, McCollum? They're kind of capped out. They can't really do much else. I don't think they're going to trade Lillard, but he's obviously the best of this tier. Or do you can you get Kemba? That's probably the best of the high versions. I'm assuming people are not wanting to take on the contract of John Wall. Those are the high-paying people. Or do you want to go to the Spencer Dinwiddie, Terry Rozier, um, or maybe Patrick Beverly section of point guards? The problem is you, you're going to either be paying for proven commodities or or paying for potential. And so which of those people are you most interested in? You know, I mean, Terry Rozier can be interesting. You know, I like his game a lot, but, you know, the question with him is how will he look as a full-time starter running an NBA team? It's kind of like, you know, certain hitters in baseball, you know, they get a low number of pitches, they're really good, right? But, you know, all of a sudden if they're, you know, bad, more often then all of a sudden that percentage goes down dramatically that's why i hate those per 36 extrapolation tweets that people do oh my gosh it's like yeah because because that guy's gonna be that efficient at that much higher usage the people who barely qualify for those for the statistics because they don't play enough minutes or they don't or it's a small sample size it's like statistically that's just not going to extrapolate to what you think it is so per 36 numbers aren't necessarily going to help i mean it tells you what he it's possible or what ha- extrapolating where he would be if he could be a starter, but it's, it's so fragile. So if they were to bring on like a, let's just say hypothetically that John Wall or Damian Lillard was available. I mean, what would this team have to give up to get those guys um, for, for Lillard and wall. So for wall, actually it might be easier than Lillard because wall's contract is just out of control. So you're probably going to be for a while. I mean, you ought to make the salary the match, but it's going to be it's going to be some. I mean, because it's a wall, you're probably giving up a Riza because to have filler to make it happen, a Riza and probably Warren now instead of Jackson because the value flipped on them. I mean, some sort some version of anything that's not Booker, Aiton, or probably Bridges, but you may have to give up Bridges. Um, which you probably don't want to do. I would say not do that. So that's why you wouldn't go for Lillard or John Wall at the moment um, because they're so high. Lillard, you'd probably have to give up two of Jackson, Bridges, Warren, and some picks um, and then make the salary work with Ariza probably. Um, for Kemba, it's a lot easier because he hasn't been signed to the big deal yet. So it's you're taking on – you probably want to go after him in free agency at the end of the year as opposed to uh, trying to trade for him. Um, depending on what the value is. If you can get Kemba in as a trade for just Jackson or whatever, then you'd probably do that because I think he's young enough that uh, it, it, it would be okay to, to do. Um, for Dinwiddie and and the other others, it'd be even cheaper. You may have to give up just enough per, of filler to make it equal. So just Jackson. So giving up Jackson for Dinwiddie or Rogier is interesting because Rogier doesn't have to be paid and Dinwiddie isn't as proven, but I, I like him probably the best other than Kemba. So that's kind of what I think about that whole situation. So are we on the same boat, the Elliot Kobo, no high upside? Um, I like him. I saw some flashes from him. Um, he's too young. You're not, you're not going to know for four years whether he's going to be a high-level uh, starter in the NBA. So, I mean, the fa- the problem is, yes, he's going to – you better – you better you have, you have you have basically a lottery of Melton, Okobo – Keenan's whatever he's like I always said he was the he's the most safe because he's like more along in his his record but he seems like less uh, lower 
He has a higher floor and a lower upside, lower ceiling than Melton, or do you know Melton or Elliot Kobo? But they could both easily be better him in the future. But they're both so young; they're think they're both rookies and they're both like 20 years old. So I think that you have to keep them around long enough. See, they have more potential than like a Tyler Eulis did because they're just bigger and they're able to they have long they're longer and they're able to do some stuff and they can shoot better. So keeping them around for three years is what I think you need to do, even if you, they just can't be the starter. I mean, they can be. Years not going to be as good until the start. So, trading them, trading Kane and Ariza and like Jackson for Kemba or something is not horrible. Then Kemba starts, Akobo or whatever can back it up. Because with all the people that they have and the wing depth, you're not going to need. Um, you can stagger Booker and Kemba if, if that happens, and uh, then it'd be decent. The problem is Kemba Booker backcourt isn't the greatest defensively. Although Booker has looked okay he you're when he's healthy and he's not having to do the 40 points he's able to kind of be passable he's not he's not great he has he's gonna have times when he looks bad but part of that is just continue to have continuity they have nine new players this year it's just i mean nine new players and no one's been like yeah it's it's it takes some time for the defensive continuity to to cobert to come together So, um, what do you think about Aiton so far? Um, so far, Aiton, I'm impressed. Um, you know, he, he plays physical. He's finishing at the rim. He's pulling down boards, and he's putting up solid numbers for a rookie in this league. Um, there's still more to be desired from him, in my opinion, and defensively. Um, I'd like to see more block shots. Um, I'd like to see him play more physical down low against other forwards and centers. But overall, I'm pretty impressed with what he's doing. I think he's going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, it's like people are sitting on the broadcast. I mean, he's a double-double machine. I think he has nine or ten of them. He's averaging 16 and 10.6 um, on this season with um, nearly three assists, which, like people, one person noticed is mostly a dribble handoff, so it doesn't really – it's not that much of an assist. But uh, it is it is something. And he's – what is his field goal percentage? It is – where to go? Had it up for a second here. Uh, 70, 78 percent on free throws, and uh, oh, uh, 60, 61 percent field goal percentage. That's that's pretty good for someone who. That's pretty good <laughs> in general. And it, when you watch it, it's even it looks even better than that. He misses a couple. Um, he needs to get a little bit better on the jump shot. He kind of when he's deliberate, it goes well. When he hesitates, it's not great. And but the de- on the defensive end, I like what you saw, said. But against Lamarcus Aldridge, he had I think it was him. He had one where Aldridge tried to go in there, and he basically warded off with one arm, caught the ball midair with the other arm, and came down with it. I mean, he's a rebounding machine. I've never seen the Suns have not had anybody that rebounds as well. I mean, Tyson Chandler was whatever, but they have not had anyone that rebounds as well. And since I've been watching the team for 15 years at least, I mean, it's crazy. Lots of good stuff there. What do you th- what do you think of the resurgence of TJ Warren's jump shot? Actually, I uh, wrote a story um, in, for the Athletic on that uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, he spent the off season in North Carolina working out with his friend uh, Trevor West, who is the nephew of David West, and they spent a lot of hours in the gym. I kind of detailed, you know, the work he put in and. I think, he, I think he put up like about like 48,000 shots total this past summer. And I mean, it just adds another dimension, just another tool in the bag. I mean, the guy was already 
a lethal scorer. I mean, the guy's a professional scorer, and, you know, adding that range to his game just makes him that much more dangerous. I just would like to see it, you know, more on a nightly basis. You know, I feel like he's either, like, really on or he's off, if that makes sense. So a little more consistency out of TJ would be great, but, I mean, the guy has really evolved his game, and that's your job as a professional in the offseason to add another dimension. Yeah, he is there, and he's he's getting he's getting better in a lot of aspects, and he's kind of that second fiddle there to Booker. Um, once Aiden gets more, I mean, okay, I say Aiden's not consistent, but I mean, you can envision where Aiden is literally doing twenty-five and fifteen like every day. So that's what I mean by consistently dominating, putting, making, doing the bead thing where he's he's. But really, on defense, I want to see him be more vertical and put his hands up and just be big instead of trying to block it. Like the block shots are fine, and when they come on the weak side or something. I like that. But I think he should just need to stay high. I'm seeing his uh, his uh, f- uh, fouls. He's only having a couple of games, two, two and a half or so. Um, and I think that I want that to go higher, not because I want him to be foul prone, but I think it should be three and a half, four, because he should be so aggressive that he... he I, I want Because a 2.5 from me from a starting center makes it seem like he's just not being aggressive enough and not being uh, really – he's not defending the rim as well as he should have. So I think he needs to work on that. Back to back to Warren, though, I've never seen someone's shot change that fast. I do a, uh, I have Elite Hoops Development, a development company, to help uh, basketball players, and I've, I mean, I've never seen someone's shot change that fast. It's incredible. It was it was so gross with the, the hitch there, and now it looks smooth. He obviously still needs to get a little bit more so it's comfortable and he can kind of fade away when someone's charging at him. Um, it's still, but I mean, he already is, he's already, I think he, probably by now he's already made more than he has all of last year um, in just a couple, a month or so. So I, that's a, that's a good to see. Um, what did you think of the Jamal Crawford thing last night? In terms of what? I mean, he, he went off for, for, was it 20, 20 points? Um, he was he was basically trying to. Uh, I was watching the game and he for the, since he's been on the Suns he's basically been only uh, hitting throw he's basically passing the whole time unless it was an end of shot clock situation where he had to heave it up and he made some of those too. But th- this game he saw Booker was kind of not working it um, and uh, then he had to kind of step in there and he I love the ability for him to really uh, push forward kind of really be a veteran leader. I tweeted this out and I couldn't quite explain it fast or well enough on Twitter, but it was kind of cool. There was one point where he had the uh, channel of the ball and Aiden was sending a screen for him and he wanted to tell him something, tell Aiden something, but he still had the ball and the play was still going. So he was able to just kind of get uh, Patty Mills to pump, go you know, pump fake and he got the foul called and then he ran to go talk to Aiden as if basketball was so easy and so second nature that it was just getting in the way of him teaching Aiden a lesson. I thought that was hilarious, but I think I was alone who noticed it. Um, it was pretty funny. Um, so I like, I like what I'm seeing out of Jamal Crawford. Um, what do you think of Josh Jackson's uh, shot selection? I mean, it's about time. I mean, it's really, you know, at least from what I've seen, it's not really about Josh Jackson's shot selections, about Josh Jackson making shots and, Last night, the kid got comfortable. He's able to find his rhythm, find his range. And this that's what this team needs. This team needs more scoring from guys like Josh Jackson. You know, they need more scoring from guys like Jamal Crawford. And they just need to 
find a way to do it on more of a consistent basis. I mean, that's been Josh Jackson's thing since he entered and in, in, got into the league. I mean, the guy just hasn't been consistent, and it's you know it's really hurt this team. It's hurt his stock as far as you know maybe considering moving him somewhere else. So you know, hopefully this becomes a norm for him. For me, with Josh Jackson, the problem is the defense. It's I mean. He and Mikhail Bridges have the same number of points on the season. <laughs> How many more minutes did he played? Uh, I guess they're pretty close. But man, uh, just it's just yeah. Um, he 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 had those two floaters. He needs to do the push floater more. Looks like to me. I don't want him really shooting threes. I know he made some, but I he needs to smooth that out over another offseason before he starts hitting that at a regular clip. Um, I like when he doesn't transition most of the time. I wish he would be more of an off-ball cutter uh, like Wade and uh, TJ Warren. He needs to do that more. I don't like him being the ball handler and uh, pick-and-roll as much. Um, but he, he's got some good stuff going on there. Um, what do you think they do with Ryan Anderson? He has just kind of fallen off a cliff here. Um, I'm not sure, but, I mean, let me ask you this. Like, Do you think that you know Brock and Bender would be much worse out there than the way Ryan Anderson's playing? Um, yes. I mean, I, I was such a dragon bender person and I still, I think there's, there's something there for him, but he played bad when he got in, in garbage time. The thing that we discount as, as writers, technically, usually, which I'm finding out, listening to more podcasts, listening to more people who are out there, is we discount the veteran nature in the NBA. Ryan Anderson knows where to be, and he's also a much better three-point shooter than, than Bender. Bender's more, a little bit more agile, um, bigger. And, uh, but, but Rangerson's a good rebounder and a lethal shooter when he's on. So really it's just about, but there isn't enough minutes for the moment with Ariza, War, cause Warren playing the four and Ariza can play the four. Um, Aiton based and Rishon Holmes, who was pretty awesome lately, although very limited. You can see like, you know exactly what he's going to do when he's on offense and pretty much on defense too. But I like his energy better than Chandler, who was plotting, though very, very good at defense and used to be. But, I mean, he was drafted before LeBron and all these other people who have been in the league forever. So, he's drafted in 2 I think, which is crazy. Um, but, so, I, I'm, I think that because those players can play the four when the Suns want to go um, four guards or four wings guards um, and not have a traditional, uh, even a stretch four, uh, Anderson's losing out to those minutes because Ariza and Warren are so effective there. When Bridges and Jackson and Booker and Keenan play alongside of a Warren or a, a Reza, so I think that that's probably part of the problem. I think that they could end up moving him. I think that they're going to move Anderson and Reza if they can as filler even to get the Kemba, um, because because you have. I just hope they don't move Bridges and try not to move Jackson because there's not there's not enough time has passed to really evaluate them as much. They haven't had, they've had tons of different coaches, a new GM, tons of different teammates. They need some continuity and some help. Um, keep Jamal Crawford, keep um, Ariza if you can't, I mean, he's gone at the end of the year, but maybe keep him the whole season just to keep, make sure everything's good, um, just in terms of veteran talent. Because you need to have enough veterans. What they got? Ariza, um, Anderson, and Jamal Crawford. And that's it. They got three. <laughs> They got three veterans, and everybody else is pretty much under five years. So I think that's important to have the veterans. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's important to have veterans, but I just think that the group of veterans that the Suns have just aren't producing. I mean, Ariza's out there walking around on defense. 
like we just said, um, Ryan Harrison, he's falling off a cliff. He's not really helping the team that much. And, you know, I'm the biggest Jamal Crawford fan out there, but he's just, I don't know if it's just the system he's in or if it's just him, you know, transitioning to a new team, which is weird because, you know, throughout his career, no matter where he's been, he's been extremely productive scoring basketball. I think or, he's, in a different, he's in a different role, though. Right now he's in a role as a mentor and trying to be a playmaker because he can he knows where people should go on the court. You watch him directing it all the time, and you know that he, if he needs to bail him out, he can, but he's not trying to push it. I'm, I mean, I've seen him for years on other teams, and he was given the green light. Here, I think his role is just different, which is why he's not trying. I mean, what is he averaging? Where did it go? He's averaging, well, that's the that's not averages, that's totals. Um, he's averaging 4.7 points a game. That's that's not very much, but he's also he could be averaging more if if his role is different. If the Suns were good and needed his production, and I guess they need his production, but I'd rather his production be given by add three points to Aiton, add three points to Warren, add four, four points to Booker, like whatever. So I'd rather those points be distributed on people who are going to be around long term, rather than Jamal Crawford, who's what is he 38. But I still like what I'm seeing from him and his restraint in uh, doing his role. So yeah, what did, what did you, I didn't really get to hear what you thought about Rishon Holmes. Um, the guy plays hard. Um, good size, wide frame. Um, you know, I liked him when he was in Philly. He was a good, you know, change of pace center coming off the bench. Um, you know, whenever he had to come in for Joel Embiid. Um. But I just think, you know, with Rashad Holmes, I mean, he just he, he is what he is. You know, he's he's not gonna give you twenty points, ten rebounds, really on any given night. He's just a guy that's kinda gonna come in there, play defense and rebound the basketball and you know, that's okay. You know, some guys are what they are and one I commend him for knowing what he is and staying within his role. So the question I wanted to get some broad sun stuff here is let's talk about well let's actually first let's talk about Booker and All Star. What would it take, I mean, doing the math of some people on Twitter and, and stuff, there's only so many spots in the West. You have to face Curry, Clay, Harden, Conley, um, even Donovan Mitchell maybe. Although Booker should have been before Donovan Mitchell. They always make it a legacy thing. And people who are younger I never seem to get in before people who are older or at least um, uh, been a number of years in the league, which uh, – Donovan Mitchell is a little bit older than Booker, but Booker's been in the league for two more years. Um, so the question is, how, who has to get out for Booker to get in? And it seems like Curry, Clay, and Harden, and Westbrook are probably a locks, which means that uh, Booker has to get out Lillard, uh, Conley, or has to get out at least one of Lillard, Conley, or who else? Who else are some guards in the West that are are really good? I mean, I think that I think that's enough right there. And you know, Booker's great, but I just don't see it happening this year for him. You know, in terms of getting the All Star nod, for one, his team isn't playing well enough, and for two, I mean, from a national standpoint, the Suns aren't really on national television that much. No one's watching the guy play. No one's watching the guy put up the numbers when he does. So, you know, honestly, I just don't see it happening for him this year. So then, therefore, in the future, then what would it take then? Just people to be be older and like Harden and Curry, um, and Westbrook them to be to age out of it, because I mean yeah. people get all sorts forever. It feels like. 
Yeah, that, I mean, those guys are, I mean, like I said, they're going to be locks for years to come. So, I mean, no one has next until they're done. But, you know, to unseat them, the biggest thing just for, for, be, for the Suns to play better basketball, for the Suns to be more competitive in the West, you know, I mean, it's kind of it's, it's kind of a similar situation if you think about, you know, really good college players on bad teams, you know. You know, I had a teammate named KT Rell, and KT averaged about, you know, 25 points per game in the SEC his senior year, and, you know, he didn't get any NBA looks or NBA love just because, you know, he was on a bad team. And, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing with as far as getting all-star nods. It's like, you know, the, the players on the best teams are going to get the first crack. And then, you know, the guys on the, the borderline, you know, the fringe teams, you know, they get seconds. For sure. And that's just, yeah, it's really, really hard for the all-star thing. Um, what do you think? So let's do a hypothetical here. If the Suns trade for Kemba, let's say the trade is Jackson and next year's first, how good does the Suns record end up? If it's at the, it's right at the all-star break. Hmm. Kimball Walker in the lineup. Are we saying like hypothetically this deal struck like Monday? No, no, the, the deal struck on all on All Star break at the trade deadline. Okay, deal struck on All Star break. I mean, there's what 20 games left, maybe. No, the team still struggles mildly defensively. Um, I think that's going to be a consistent theme throughout the year. I still see this team as maybe like a maybe a 30 win team still. You know, even still with Kimba as a 30 win team. Yeah, that's. I mean. Kemba's great, but, you know, still, they're not guarding as a team. And so in that sense, then, what do you think, how did the Suns win? I mean, they just won by 20 points. I know there's last night with the Jazz being, or the Mavs being the Jazz by 50, and the Magic beating the New York 76ers at the buzzer. Uh, I know it was the upsets, but they just won by 20 points over the Spurs. What do you think they have to do to, as a team, to build on the win and to, what if you if you are that pessimistic on them? How do you see them getting better? Um, you know, it's just it's a decision that has to be made in the locker room. I mean, they don't have the worst roster in the league. They have interesting pieces and players. You know, I believe in Igor Kokoshkov. Um, I think he's a good coach, but you know, they really just have to buy into what he's preaching. It comes down to effort and. From what I've seen, I mean, with last night's game and the season opener against the Mavericks being the outlier, this team just doesn't play hard enough, consistently enough for me to, you know, for me to say, oh, they're a 45-win team or, you know, something like that or a 50-win team. It just comes down to consistently and experience and Igor's system and the young players getting better. I mean, that's going to be the only way they turn this thing around out here in Phoenix. Are you a Mikhail Bridges should start person? Um, I am. I am. Um, I just think that that Villanova championship pedigree is contagious, and he plays hard every time he's out there on the floor. And I can't say that right now about Ariza. Yeah, so. good things happen, and Ariza as a second unit would be good. It would just give some continuity, really. Uh, not continuity, but it's it would give another defender and some like almost accountability. Like, okay, I know we're the second unit, but we're still going to play hard and we're going to play well. Um, I think, and then Rashawn Holmes with with his defensive intensity, I guess intensity and uh, um, energy would be really helpful there. So I think I think that's I think that's a good a good point. 
I also just think that would mean that book it would just be a better defensive as with him being there. And I, as uh, I think uh, someone on Twitter, I'm trying to remember what his name is. Anyway, he mentioned I will give him. He he'll, he knows who who he is. Um, if he listens. Um, that he did that Bridges, Aiton, Booker have the highest point differential of anybody on the Suns, and it's not even really close. So I think that would be really good to have them on the court a lot. You know, get the rookie going early. I mean, Igor said in a press conference um, a couple games ago that, you know, he didn't want to put too much on Bridges' plate this early, but, but I mean, when you're a team like the Suns, you have nothing to lose. When you have a player like him, best time to start developing him is now. The future is now. And he's getting he's getting more minutes. And, and I had this debate in, during the Marquise Chris Dragon Bender rookie years. It's like, okay, just throwing them in. And I guess I want to hear your opinion on this because you played there uh, in college. Does throwing someone in the deep end um, when they're such so young and they're not completely developed as a as a man as a as a player physically or emotionally ready for the moment is that does that do them a disservice or does that accelerate the learning process what do you think about that general topic it is solely based on the makeup of the player you know all these guys are built differently some guys can't handle the spotlight at a young age some guys can i mean situations like those really just you know vary from athlete to athlete and you know different guys respond to it differently but Luka yeah, Doncic versus personal. Jargon Bender is a good example of that in the EuroLeague and over here. Mm-hmm. And it's just personally, I just think that, you know, it, it's just all based on the player. It's 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 hard to predict. That's why coaching is hard, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, thank you for your thoughts. Um, do you have any other final ideas, before, uh, conversation topics before we get out of here? Oh, no, nah, man. That's all I got for you. Cool. Uh, why don't you plug uh, your stuff at The Athletic and your Twitter handle, and we'll uh, I'll do mine, and then we'll get out of here. All right. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at CJHolmes22. That's C-J-H-O-L-M-E-S 22. And on The Athletic, got to go watch them. Got to go subscribe there. Everybody go do that. Um, I'm Eric Saar. My Twitter handle is at Eric underscore Saar, E-R-I-C-S-A-A-R. Um, solarinsights.net is where uh, you'll find my writer's writing. Sometimes I, I write about once a year because I don't want to take the time to do it. Um, but I do podcasts about every week or so, maybe every two weeks. And we have some great guests all over the place. Um, also, I have two other businesses, EliteHoopsDevelopment.com, EliteHoopsDevelopment.com for basketball training in Phoenix, as well as uh, media marketing for SlingshotMediaConsulting.com. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for your time, CJ. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.